Hey everyone, welcome back to The Soul Work with myself, Ify Alexis Lee. We are all about doing the inner work of healing, wholeness, growth, refining and defining. And on today's episode, I am joined by a dear friend of mine, Chioma Alade. Chioma is a wife, she's a mum, she serves on the pastoral team at her church. She has a passion for empowering those in the church that have been abused and those who are chronically ill. She has a special place in her heart for women. I'm so excited to share with you this conversation that I had with her on walking with God through chronic illness. Lean in, take some notes, share it with a friend and enjoy. Hi Chioma. Hello. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Like when I was thinking about the people that I wanted, your name was up there I feel like your story is incredible you have so much to share and of course I want my audience to know exactly who you are because the gift of God inside of you is so amazing so welcome to the podcast thank you what an what an introduction <laughs> um first of all thank you for the honor like it, it really is an honor to be asked I'm just I'm, I'm really grateful um, my name is Shoma Aladeng um I love Jesus I love cake I love nature um and I'm passionate about seeing people really love the way understand that they're loved like God loves them mm. I, if there's anything that I can sum up my life and my life's aims in it's just that so for people to really understand how truly loved they are by God irrespective of their experiences irrespective of their current challenges and irrespective of their past so I love that I love that and I feel like you embody the heart of God in just such a sweet way like especially his compassion mm-hmm. um so I'm excited let's get into it I want my audience to get to know you a little bit better so I'm going to do just some quick questions off the cuff well it's not off the cuff it's going to be off your cuff answering. <laughs> <laughs> um okay quickly tea or coffee tea mm, what's your favorite tea oh uh chai okay I like some chai I like chai I like a chai a chai latte I love a chai latte <laughs> yeah I prefer a chai latte but if mm. I, I like the flavor of chai actually do you know what let me go English breakfast let me go English breakfast tea okay. and coffee chai latte yeah love that afternoon tea or like brunch like breakfast pancakes waffles that kind of afternoon thing. tea every day yeah sweet tooth yeah. isn't it yes <laughs> okay a rice like a rice dish or like a swallow nigerian swallow. i knew it I just, i'm there with you what's your favorite nigerian soup out. right now i had ogwana soup last night with pounded jam and i have eforuro in the fridge it's giving it's giving I love it. I love a good draw soup. For me, yeah. it's a bono soup, but I like it with ebba. I like mine with like hot yellow ebba. Like that for me, ministers to myself. Healthier too. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, see? Yeah. see there I'll we go. The DM, I'm very sure. <laughs> Eat out or take away? Eat in, sorry, or take away? Oof. Eat in. I like experiences. Eating. okay oh I love that I'm like such a comfort person I would much rather eat on my plate knowing that it's fully washed I mean the way I think about it I'm like there's rice at home so if I'm gonna mm. buy the food it's preferable for me to eat there and have this table service I feel you. yeah yeah I feel you. are you more alert in the morning or the evening 
I think everybody that knows me would say evening. <laughs> it takes me a while to, to wake up. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite scripture at the moment? Oh gosh. Can I say book? Go for it. Exodus. Mm. Exodus. Um, I've been in Genesis Exodus, reading other things, but been in Genesis mm. Exodus this year. And I've just had a revelation. Actually, Genesis too, but you know, I'll stick to Exodus. I feel like I've really understood a lot of things and I, I realize it's so much more for more for me to understand from Exodus than I ever imagined. I've been really enjoying. Mm. Oh, I love that. Mm. What is the best series you've watched in a while? TV series. Do you know what? I should actually ask first, are you a TV series person or a movie person? You know what? You're not even a TV person, are you? <laughs> I know I am a TV person. I'm just trying to choose. Uh, my favourite TV, TV series of all time is Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Um, I do like, I like movies. I like period dramas. Mm. So actually, maybe I am more of a TV, TV series person because I like people in old outfits going on mountains and things like that. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. For me, yeah. I would say, like, I really enjoyed watching Hijack on Apple TV recently. That was really good. <laughs> That's good. Is it good? I okay the suspense was too much like it was just oh I was like it was like seven episodes or six episodes and I felt like it could have been three it was just so much suspense but the actual oh. story I loved it like I was like at the edge of my seat you know I yeah, but isn't it nice it. when they when they drag it out I don't you know I'm definitely TV series you know what I... it's nice when they drag it out when you know you can watch them back to back but they actually like staggered how they released it so like you could only watch the next one the next week and I'm like there's a reason why I don't watch actual TV I watch Netflix and stuff like that because I want to be able to come to it when I'm ready so yeah yeah okay fair enough I get I get you hi Jack and I'll say riches I watch riches on ITV oh, good I, I really love that I love the infusion of like Nigerian like yeah, culture yeah. names oh I love that yeah. okay no I'm definitely a TV series person for sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it I'm like all the like detective prime stuff, no, definitely TV series. 100%. Yes, yeah. Shonda Rhimes is my girl. Like anything that she does, I'm there. Yeah, she's a writer. You can write. <laughs> yes. Okay, last question. What's your favorite pastime? You've got an extra hour, two hours. No one's in the house, it's just you. What do you go to? Oh, sit in the garden. Okay. Doing what? I love sitting in the garden. Thinking, reading um I love being in nature okay like drop me in a field somewhere I'll just sit down and watch mm. like, I feel like I learn a lot from just observing nature oh I love that I feel like that's how I want to be like just huh, just one with the insects but I will literally be like swatting away flies <laughs> I did say that I'm not a princess <laughs> so I'm not trying to get bitten but okay, I John the Baptist yeah <laughs> But I love it. I do love it. Yeah. Oh, I love, love, love that. For me, I will be, if I'm not sleeping, unfortunately, I don't feel like sleeping should be a pastime, but sometimes I feel so sleep deprived of young kids that whenever I get like free time, I'm like sleep. Um, but outside of sleep, I'll be watching a TV show, reading a book or like cooking or baking. 
You're a great cook, I have to say. Thank you. I, you have invited me around and I've yet to take up the offer. Come, girl. When you're ready, <laughs> when you're ready. Okay, so let's get into today's topic. When I thought of you, I thought it would be great for everyone to kind of have an understanding of your story in regards to chronic illness and how that's been for you. I think Christians and healing or Christianity and healing can be such a a technical subject like people err on that either on one side of the extreme or the other side of the extreme and, and that can look like God always wants to heal you and sometimes it can look like just endure always like healing you, you may never find it right and I thought it would be great to hear from someone that's actually living with a chronic illness and how you navigate that and you navigate your faith as well so before we get into that it would be great to hear a little bit about your journey um you shared who you are but tell us about your journey health-wise how has that been for you I'm gonna sum this up in the shortest amount of time because my health history is literally pages long um but I was born with something called a PDA which is a ductus arteriosus which means that you have a um, an area that is supposed to close up that doesn't close up and causes a lot of kind of more heart issues. I was born in murmurs. I was sick. Basically, I have been sick my whole life. Um, and I was just last year diagnosed with something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, uh, which is basically the root cause of everything and is in my genes. And it basically affects all my connective tissue, which is your whole body. <laughs> so your brain matter, your skin, your muscles, your joints, everything is held together by connective tissue. And it basically is too fragile. So it means that vessels, organs don't work or overwork. Um, and it kind of just affects every single aspect of my body. Wow. When, so from as young as you can, you, you can remember, like you always kind of felt like you've always been unwell, would you say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in pain my whole life. In fact, the only day I was not in pain was on my wedding day, which is kind of how I knew I'd made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah for sure that was and that was a prayer request because I was like god I really need to not be in pain on my wedding day and he answered that request yeah. but yeah yeah I guess always being in pain from from as young as you can remember and the only day was your wedding day where you weren't in pain that is that is something how has that been in terms of how you've journeyed with God like how has that felt when you've you know when you became a Christian did you ever have any hopes of healing like what was that 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 like for you um I would say when I was a teenager I was really obsessed with healing um and I didn't have a diagnosis yet I wasn't sure what was wrong with me at all but I knew that I was sick it was quite obvious I was fainting all the time and um I used to listen to a lot of, um, and still do from time to time, a lot of word of faith type um, messages. And I was really obsessed. And I'd watch the Christian TV channels and like, and I, this is your day. I, I just was desperate for it to be my day, you know, where I would get healed. It was like, it, I think it almost verged on obsession, if mm. that makes any sense. And I had to come to a, an understanding that the word of faith does work and God heals, but also the power that sustains is a very real thing too. And learning to trust the Lord, whether he healed me or not, was definitely a, a journey. Um, and actually as the struggle that I had was believing that God still loved me and had intentions for me, even if he didn't heal me. And the, if, the difficulty I had was explaining that to other people. Yeah. In most Christian communities only believed God was present if I got healed. Mm. 
Wow. I love the way you term that. I recently um, released an online course about anxiety. And one of the things that I said, especially around anxiety disorders, was that sometimes we can experience healing um, through an instantaneous, miraculous healing. Sometimes healing looks like the help of medication, therapy, doctors. Sometimes it's endurance. God gives endurance to actually bear the load of anxiety all three of those are miracles like all three of them show the hand of God and I love the way you place that that actually God can heal God does heal but even when God doesn't heal when he gives the grace to endure that's still his power at work that's still his grace at work um can you remember a time when you felt maybe discouragement setting especially at that time where you were heavy in the word of faith listening to you know listening to that how did you manage that discouragement at the time that God I'm seeing these other people being healed but I'm not. I think it was a discouragement was very heavy in the mornings. And I think for many years, I definitely struggled with what I now understand is probably depression. Because I, I had this dream of waking up and then it all being over. And But I would wake up and I was still in pain. And I think day after day, it was just, it was very disheartening. I definitely felt the presence of God, honestly, through the word. I was a, I was and still am a lover of the word of God. And I think it's hard to read the Bible often and frequently and not feel his love just leap off the pages, um, not feel his intention just like really grab you. And I think what really kept me during that time could have only been my love for the word of God because I saw people in the Bible who were going through challenging things and people like Job who were innocent um, and still had bad things happen to them. And I was definitely in spiritual surroundings that told me that bad things only happen to bad people. And then I read the Bible and I was like, well, that's not true. Because <laughs> um, the righteous definitely go through challenging things, but his word says that he's never seen the righteous forsaken. Um, and God can love us and we still have challenges. Mm, wow, I, I love that. I know that you've been in pastoral leadership for a very long time now. Um, I'm sure you've witnessed firsthand praying for people <laughs> or praying for people for healing and, and seeing that and to hear that your resolve is still that like wow the word of God like God still loves me even in absence of this thing and actually for a lot of us we link God's love for us to his ability to provide certain things for us we link his care for us to well if you care for me why don't I have what I'm asking for and that can look like healing that can look like financial breakthrough that can look like the job or anything and sometimes it can be very hard especially when the overwhelming message of faith is God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. Sometimes we miss out on that extra bit that even if he doesn't do it, he's worthy. Even if he doesn't do it, he still has a plan for you. Um, how have you felt, God, to be in pain consistently is is something. How have you felt the Holy Spirit or God like coming alongside you, even in the place of pain? I'm not, and I'm also not going to, you know, it's, it's very easy to kind of give a... Uh, um, the impression that it doesn't, it's not challenging. It, it is very challenging um, and it is a consistent struggle. I guess where I found my sweet spot with the Holy Spirit is journeying with him and telling him how I feel. Um, I actually, I keep a journal and I'm better at it now than um, I was the last few years. And I was really good at it when I was a teenager. And I would just talk to the Lord. I would write to the Lord and just tell him how I feel. And 
throughout the day, I'm always in constant communication with, with the Lord. I think that's honestly what keeps me sane. And I sometimes forget that I haven't necessarily told other people how I'm feeling because in my head I have, I, I've told the Lord. Um, and just that communication has been uh, life-giving. Mm. Also like leaning on community, telling people how I feel, um, you know, actually going to the doctors. I feel like a lot of Christians don't do what they need to do or do their part right. because they're told that it's a lack of faith um, or they've been told that it kind of dumbs down like who God is and if you don't go to the doctors and you're not well like one of the disciples was a doctor <laughs> mm. um, if you don't do your part you have to do your part I have to do my part I had to right. fight for a diagnosis that that was my part in this and then I give it over to God and then I'm, I was like okay great we have a name for it now mm. let's deal with it spiritually mm um so yeah just doing what I need to do which is um living as healthily as I can um there is no cure for Ehlers-Danlos syndrome yet <laughs> um but there is definitely a supernatural God who cares for people that have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome mm. and doesn't sleep or slumber really mm, I love that um I know that just was speaking to you privately, like to get a diagnosis was a huge thing for you. Um, it was something that you had to kind of like battle for. Could you bring our, our listeners, our watchers into a little bit of that journey? Like, and just things that people can get in terms of how to advocate for themselves in the place of chronic illness. Yeah, I will first of all say that no one else is going to advocate for your health like you will. You have to take your health. I think people feel like doctors are just, first of all, doctors can be wrong, as I have seen it. If I had relied on doctors, I literally would be dead because mm. they, I didn't get a diagnosis until last year and my son was born in 2020. And because of the efforts that I made, they made medical adjustments, which if they had not done that, I would not have made it off the table. So I think we have to first understand that it is our responsibility and the Holy Spirit can absolutely guide us in advocating for ourselves, not taking no for an answer. Like if you still have, symptoms you have to keep going you have you have to keep fighting and unfortunately our medical system in the UK is extremely stretched right now and you need to either be able to speak or have people in your corner if there is a real issue going on um I was in A&E for like a decade of my life um oh. literally consistently and it just wasn't taken seriously and I actually had to lodge a complaint with the trust and um, with the hospital and the trust and it was literally elevated up to their board um and the person who um was in charge of my medical at the time um left left <laughs> before it could get taken um before it got higher and higher and higher and higher and i was i received an apology and if wow. you know anything about um the way that hospitals and, and trusts are, they never apologise because that opens them up to legal action because it's saying mm, that it's, it's an admission of guilt, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and if not of the grace of God and me fighting and honestly in this virtual environment where I was told not to go to the doctors, like that, I, I literally would have lost my life. Wow. Wow. I, I just to echo what you said about advocacy, like being able to advocate for yourself, you know, your body better than anyone knows your body. Um, and so if you know that you're experiencing something, 
don't don't push that down like actually speak up and speak to people that that might understand as well I wonder do you see an intersection because you're a a black female you know do you see an intersection with that and your ability to advocate for yourself or maybe at times when you felt like your complaints weren't being seen as severe enough absolutely like Mm. statistically black women are most likely to be ignored than any other group on the planet when it comes to pain and with medical concerns so I have to shout louder I have Mm. to be more specific I have to you know some of my doctors actually call me Dr Chama because I I like the amount that I know and what I walk I'm very very thorough and that black female thing we have to fight harder and it's it's not to make us feel sad but it's, it should em- empower us to know that it really is in our hands and we have to really work hard to make sure that we are heard mm, okay okay just a little bit on community have you how have you navigated the place of community especially dealing with um chronic illness that would you say that your chronic illness is invisible yes Yes. yeah yeah that's one of the things that we look at in in therapy visible and, and invisible yes. differences right in that place where people can't always necessarily see what's wrong with you how have you found that in bringing your community alongside you to be a bit more cautious or, or compassionate or aware that you might not be doing the best or you're in pain I think from the outside it's absolutely invisible until you see me collapse one or two times you're like oh you're <laughs> That's why I was maybe. unsure. Like, is it visible? Invisible? Maybe, maybe she's not all right, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think I'm privileged now to be in a very helpful community where if I said, like, I need help with my son, or I it said I need to sit down or I need water, like that would be available to me. I haven't always been in helpful communities, especially when it comes to the church. Um and I think positioning yourself in a place where there is love compassion and prayer I have definitely been upheld by the saints like massively this year I survived sepsis I should never have survived and I think a lot of it is was was due to the prayer of the saints like when medically there's there should be no survival and you you just know it's it's the work of God um and finding a praying community because I I do believe in supernatural I do believe in a supernatural sustaining and healing power of God and finding a community that is kind um, and that also understands the power of God and is willing to walk with you a lot of people want to do the praying and the laying hands thing but they necessarily want to walk with you or help you to appointments or things like that and actually it's that those acts of love and compassion that prove that you have that spiritual legitimacy to do every other prayer really Um, because love love is a doing word and the lord loves us and it's he he heals because he loves he does because he loves right um and i would just encourage everyone to be in a community that's like that but i also do understand that those communities unfortunately from what i have seen are few and far between I've had conversation with um, some people that have struggled with chronic illness or have chronic illness. And one of the things that gets brought up sometimes, especially with regards to community is not wanting, not wanting your diagnosis to be the sum total of who you are, not wanting to be treated like so fragile that no, we can't invite Chima out. You know, we can't, oh no, like 
you know, just maybe feeling like there's too much of a, would you say coddling? I think that's the wrong word. <laughs> um, is that something you've experienced? Yeah. I think there's always that fear that when you, you know, when you're sick, I feel like, unfortunately, people just see that. Do you know what I mean? People just see that and it often means that people are not necessarily open about their struggles, whatever that is, whether that's chronic illness or disability, whether it's a sin that they're finding it hard to overcome or a personal challenge. Um, there is always that fear and I would just encourage people to remember that sicknesses and chronic illnesses and disabilities don't is not the sum total of who someone else. They don't define them. They don't. And it's Down syndrome and chronic illness and disability is absolutely something that I struggle with and it's a challenge for me. I'm not gonna say that I'm proud of those things. Um, I know there's a, there's a kind of pride element that's been introduced into some of our spaces about this, but I'm definitely not proud of it. And if you ask me to switch, I would I'll switch with a healthy body tomorrow. But okay. <laughs> um, I will say that God has used it to give me a perspective on life that I actually think a lot of healthy people don't have. And I will say that we shouldn't look at that as a sum total of who someone is. Um, and we should absolutely make efforts to be accessible, but not be patronizing mm. and allow people to then make the choices. Obviously make smart decisions. If you know someone in your church is in a wheelchair, like choose events where there's going to be wheelchair access. Do you know what I like? So just make efforts to be accessible and allow them to make the choice as to whether or not they they wish to or want to come and keep inviting them. You know, we also do this thing where someone says, oh, I'm not, she watched it and they're like, oh, you know, I'm never gonna invite them again because what if they're sick? No, just, just, just keep inviting someone, just keep including someone. Um, mm. it's, it's our duty, you know, as those friends who lowered, he literally broke down the roof to lower their friend yes. down healed by Jesus that is that is the standard not an excellent standard but that is the basic standard for how our community wow. should be accessible like you break down the roof you break down the door you do whatever you can to help your friends see Jesus to help your friends feel love and that's is what we should be aiming for Mm, wow that is so incredible I, I I'm so happy you said that that actually leads me to my next set of questions which were around ableism in the church um and I'm going to come to that question but first I, I did want to just have a bit more insight on what does support look like for for someone that is struggling I know chronic illness can be it's very very nuanced and it looks different for different people depending on the diagnosis right but what are some ways in which someone could come along and support you've already kind of given some in terms of you are inviting them to events consider the disabilities that they do have like step-free access is there anything else that you would add to that like in terms of support and friendship how to support someone that is that has chronic illness um people with chronic illnesses and disabilities are tend to already be very aware of how it affects other people and can be very self-conscious about it so what we don't want to do is make them feel any more other than they might already feel and we can pick up on their cues sometimes they might not say things to us so just doing things can be very helpful like dropping off meals and those kind of things like or saying to them oh you know what like can I pick you up for not even asking right you have an appointment today 
and actually bothering to find out that kind of information. Like, I'm taking you. I'll be like, yeah, outside your house. Like, being proactive. And I, I'm just saying, like, verging away from asking and just doing. Because when you're, you, when you ask, it's that awkward thing of, like, oh, I don't want convenience. I don't know. Just, just when we just act, we give people the understanding that we want to do it. You know, and it helps people not feel um, like a burden. Just listening to them, like really listen, listening to understand. So, mm, I love that, and I do. I really appreciate what you said about just doing instead of asking. I mean, mm. how many times have we asked someone like, "Oh, do you want? Do you want the last chicken?" And really, you want them to say no. <laughs> We're not really asking out of a real care. It's sometimes it is there is care associated, but real compassion leads to action and yeah. it just alleviates that 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 mountain sometimes of the other person having to think of what is it that I need um and can you give it to me do you know what I mean just being able to see and identify a need compassionately and, and fulfilling that mm. that's really really good do you feel like there is ableism in the church it's definitely a, a problem that we have in the world Mm. And unfortunately, it has tripled in to many areas of the church. Um, there are a lot of churches that are doing their best to really circumvent it. Um, and first of all, ableism is favor of people that are non-disabled. Yeah. So people that are um, potentially healthier. And definitely, I think even in the way that we handle volunteers sometimes, like I think to myself, I was thinking to myself, even on a team that I currently lead at church, I was like, okay, if someone was, if so, another member of the church who happened to be disabled joined this team, would we have to make adjustments? And if so, I'm not, I'm probably not running an accessible team. Yeah, just wow. those kind of conversations that I have internally, like walking around, looking at um, floors, pumps, if someone decided to walk in, today with a virtual wheelchair or how would that person get in or out and our church building actually does have um disabled disabled members of of and both the churches that use it and it's wonderful to see that we are in a building that 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 can and should facilitate that it's a minimum requirement it's not a tick box exercise Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of our churches do these things as a right tick off that's what the government wants but not because they actually understand that it's their duty mm. to provide a house, a, a temple that God dwells in, that every single child that he has made can visit, can mm. regularly come to. Mm. Um, and I think it's definitely something that we need to be more intentional about, whether it's physical disabilities um, or mobility challenges, or whether it's neurodivergence. You know, I think neurodivergence mm. is something I'm really passionate about um and educating people especially in the church on how to deal with especially children uh, because they can't speak for themselves um but they definitely know when they're not wanted and Mm. no one should come into god's house and feel unwanted Mm. wow i i just love i love that you mentioned that it just reminds me a bit about i think it's in acts chapter six but people were complaining about the distribution of food food and this is when the apostles say you know separate onto us a certain amount of deacons so we can be about you know other things ministry of the word and the people that were complaining the most were were the greeks 
And it's so interesting how they appointed Greek speaking deacons to be the people that would actually right the wrongs in the distribution of food. And without placing the onus solely on people that have disability, but it it requires a team effort to right some of these wrongs to make sure things are are adequate. You know, do you need this? Do we need that? Should we have someone that's signing? on one side of, you know, to make sure that the the service is accessible to people that's providing sign language, um, making sure videos are captioned or can have closed captions and all of that. Like it's such a team effort and we are a body um, in that. So I, I love what you mentioned. Do you feel like there's any other ways that the church can be more accessible to people? Uh, yes, I would say even things like making, this is a very simple one to me, but making sermon notes available. Yes. Like you, you write sermon notes. I don't understand what the big deal is with just if someone asks for it, just sending it to them. Like the whole point is for it to, to bless people. So um, I remember once being at a church and I, I, they, it was written on um, kind of white paper, like even just printing it on a colored paper makes it really easy for people that are neurodivergent to be able to read it. Um, stuff that we do at our church like having dark images and, and, and brighter writing instead of uh white backgrounds on on text and black writing it's just a lot lot easier um also just paying attention and things like surveys can be really good doing anonymous surveys in yeah. the church finding out what kind of people's people's needs are people know that their names are going to be put out they might not answer honestly uh we do those kind of things for things that are a lot less relevant or important so mm. just finding out honest opinions how can we make it easier for you to come to know Jesus within our midst mm, I love that thank you for sharing I wanted to spend just a few moments talking about what motherhood looks like with chronic illness um, <laughs> how you found that journey please bring us into that um first of all there's this idea that disabled women don't make great mothers and in the medical field there's definitely this discouragement of disabled women actually being mothers and it's definitely implied it's definitely said for sure I've experienced that a couple of times this I remember years ago before I was even dying as well as Diana's syndrome saying a doctor to a doctor kind of okay bear in mind my health if I did get pregnant what kind of things should I be thinking about or to keep myself healthy, to get baby healthy. And I remember her just looking at me and thinking, saying to me, like, I wouldn't imagine that someone like you would be thinking of becoming a mother or having a child. Wow. And when I was pregnant with our son, like just so many hints about, you know, um, medically ending the pregnancy, which is like, and which is obviously an abortion. And I was like, I no, I'm not doing that. I, mm -hmm. I believe that every life has has value and I think first of all you have to decide that you're not going to believe the rhetoric that disabled women can't have children I think that's really really important as long as it's not putting your life into serious danger and there is a community or even like a way that you can look after the child um, I don't see any reason why a woman with disabilities can't have a child you have to first decide that you're not going to listen to that or um, pay attention to any of that. And then what you're going to probably need to do, which I'm always working on myself, is asking for help if I, if I need it. 
I'm really fortunate. I mean, I was pretty immobile when I first I had our son and I couldn't do anything. I mean, I didn't mm. bath him the first month. I could not, I literally couldn't do anything. I was in bed um, and our community was just incredible. You know, I couldn't cook when I was pregnant. I, I literally was at the mercy of fortunate, very, very nice people. <laughs> um, and yeah, just, just, I guess I would probably turn it into a prayer that mm -hmm. anybody that has a disability or chronic illness has a great community. Um, I'm very aware of the fact that what I have is a privilege that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. Um, and we definitely need to do better for women who have chronic illnesses and disabilities and do better communities for them. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for, for just sharing that. Um, and I think that kind of goes alongside the things that we said about what support can be provided, coming alongside, being willing to babysit, cook and all of that. And I think it's quite disheartening that that was the kind of response that you got from the NHS. Like it's not advisable to have children. Um, yeah. yeah. I think the yeah. other issue is even with, sorry, I think about that. <laughs> I, even having like there was always this like, are you planning on having more? Like as in like, don't do it. And the reason why I definitely have refused to engage in a lot of those conversations because I understand the power of words and mm. I know what God has promised me. So mm. I have sometimes you have to guard the promise. Mm. You know, some in the same way that Mary and Joseph fleed um to guard Jesus, sometimes when you're carrying something and you're basically as a disabled woman or woman with chronic illness, if you get pregnant, you are carrying a miracle. Mm. And you have to be um very careful make sure that you get all the medical attention that you need but also that you guard your ears from conversations um that are derogatory or not helpful yeah yeah thank you for that extra wisdom what is one thing you wish others knew about chronic illness uh just because we haven't said we're in pain doesn't mean that we're not in pain People think, mm -hmm. oh, because they're not talking about it. Oh, it must be a better day. You know, not necessarily. Sometimes we just don't. Just can't bother to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and also massively that disabilities can be very in invisible. Um, and the derogatory stuff, I would say for the church, this whole thing that we do where we embarrass people that have illnesses and stuff by um asking them to come out and touching people and ask and praying people without their permission like really needs to stop it's very annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> please share a little bit more about that in terms of the laying on of hands and healing what are some of the things that you understand in that in that domain so the laying on of hands is a very necessary biblical principle which talks about the lord's anointing and his his ability to heal, his, his ability to impart onto someone through the laying on, on of hands, his power. And that can be for healing, that can be for deliverance, that can be for restoration, for so many different things. However, um, in many ways, I feel like within the church, disabled people have kind of become puppets. And um, a really good example of this was a, a post from a lady who had a stroke and lost the feeling of, of one of her legs. And she spoke about the first time in months that she had been confident enough to walk outside of her house. 
and a group of Christians did not even ask for her permission and just put their hands all over her leg and basically started like praying for her. And in that, in this, this is this is in the UK, and on that, um, on that post, there were about a thousand comments from people who had had terrible experiences with Christians in public places doing things without their permission or just being really unfeeling and without knowing it we can really make people um and it is ableism it's this favor of um people that are non-disabled and feeling like we we must be fixed and actually making people for others instead of driving people to jesus as the one who loves them and can heal them we give people the impression that if he doesn't heal them that their lives are unworthy wow and it's a really scary thing i also will say for churches that um having seen a couple of churches being sued for this kind of thing we really need to take um safeguarding and all these kind of things very 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 seriously wow. it's not to be joked with um and yes the lord can heal and I would encourage anyone to go up for prayer if they feel the Lord really wants them to do because even in my own life, I've seen supernatural healing, but let's treat people with respect. Mm. I'm so happy that you mentioned that. Even in my field with psychotherapy, touch is such a profound thing, especially when touch has been violated in the past and how I intersect that in ministry as a minister I will ask you, is it okay if I pray for you? Do you mind if I hold your hands? Is it okay if I hug you? Um, without having a sense of entitlement that just because you've come forward for prayer, anything that I do is now okay. Um, and I think it's just how you communicate a level of compassion to the person that you're dealing with. I would also say as well that there are some conversations that there isn't always time and language for. But one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about this is because having spoken to a lot of people who have medical disabilities and chronic illness, there is a massive issue with sexual abuse and healing ministries mm. in many churches. And a lot of parents, um, without understanding it, send their children to deliverance, mountains, right? prayer fests, all these kind of things. Wow. Their children end up actually end up being sexually abused and don't tell their parents. And a lot of a lot of ministries have abused the place of praying people with chronic illnesses and disabilities with sexually abusing them. And mm. so this is something that is really, really bothers me. And I've heard too many stories at this point um, to not be bothered by it. Just go to the doctors, like don't if it's if a if a pastor tells you or a minister tells you not to go to a doctor like that's all the more reasons why you should not stay in that church like mm -hmm. i'm so grateful to the lord that um i just started going to doctors at that time in secret like in in, in actually and i probably should have just left the church but <laughs> mm -hmm. um that is seriously bad information and actually if we're going to pray about something it would be very helpful to know what it was <laughs> so mm -hmm. find out what's wrong with you for sure mm -hmm. something's wrong find out what it is and we serve a God that can do anything. Um, but it would be very helpful to find out what it was first. <laughs> mm, thank you for sharing that. And it's just as a story, something that's quite close to home for me, I had a family member that was diagnosed with breast cancer and did all the things at first, um, but went to church and was told she was healed and just stopped taking her medication. And whew, 
you know, the worst happened in in that regard. Um, because by the time she now went back to the doctors, it was just too late. Like everything had metastasized. It had just gone too far, you know? So please, 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 please don't forsake the ministry of doctors because it is ministry as well. It is a ministry. It is. (laughs) And it's a God-given ability. Yes, yes. God heals through through modern medicine as well. Yes. (laughs) I think when I think about that question from speaking to people that have had chronic illness, one of the things that has come up is don't make assumptions about my capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't think on my behalf, you know yes I might not be doing too well but that doesn't mean I can't support you with something um yes I may be in pain but it doesn't mean I don't want to know what's going on in your life or or be invited the things that we said essentially don't make too many assumptions and when in doubt just ask you know just ask you know what can you know are you available you know just putting that out there um as well my last question for you yeah the last question (laughs) my last question for you is how do you take care of your soul while dealing with chronic illness time in God's presence for sure and I feel like someone's gonna say oh that's a really like um easy answer or like uh, an answer with not much thought but I don't think we put enough emphasis on the power of prayer and the power of intimacy with God. I don't think we put enough emphasis on how healing that is for our mental health. Um, I don't think we put enough emphasis on how strengthening it is for our bodies. Um, I'd also say having conversations with people that have kindness and compassion as their DNA, like people that are wonderful. I would say, I think therapy, if you go to a really good therapist um, who can give you language for helping you talk to people in your life about how you feel can be massively helpful. I think therapy, um, I say the right therapist because um, you have to find the right one. Um, yeah. can be such, such a good tool, such a good tool. Um, I think really utilizing the people that are around you. I, I I really believe that God does try to gift us when we go through challenging times with Jonathan's and Elisha's and people that are going to be there for us um, and are going to really going to hold up our hands like Moses' hands were held up. And we do have to use those people. <laughs> we do, and they are they can be so healing for our souls. Um, so yeah, don't all those kind of things. Finding time away from the appointments, um, to just be by ourselves, to think, to decide what we want to do. Uh, trying not to busy ourselves too much. I think sometimes it's very tempting to try and fill all of our time so the pain isn't so um, isn't so bursting in our mind. But trying to do things that set ourselves on fire trying to hobbies like I've, I've been saying to everyone I can think of like bring back hobbies you know <laughs> stuff that we used to do when we didn't have our phones in our hands all the time mm-hmm. um yeah spending time with people that make us time spending time with people that make us smart so mm, I love that thank you so much I love you Chioma thank you oh, I love I really, you too 
<laughs> I appreciate you coming on here. And I love what you said about hobbies and bring back hobbies. I think we are all, most of us are in our hustler bag. And so everything is about what can bring me money, right? <laughs> and so even hobbies become work, um, but it's okay to enjoy something, invest in something that just is pure pleasure, pure enjoyment, even if it requires discipline. So thank you so much. And for those who would love to get in touch with you or to stay in touch with you, how can people find out more about you or or reach out to you? Um, probably on um, Instagram. I'm, I'm quite busy on Instagram, but I'm on a break at the, at the moment. But um, which is literally Chioma Alabe um, on Instagram and ChiomaAlabe.com. And I have lots of interesting things coming up over the next couple of months. Um, next series I'm doing is on sexual abuse, which I'm gearing up for. Um, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one, but um, basically that's how you can find me. Mm. See, Choma is is more than a monolith. <laughs> Today we're talking about chronic illness, but um, if you followed any of my content for some time, then you know that Chioma and I did an amazing Instagram live about spiritual abuse, and that's another area that Chioma stands as a a voice. I'm, I was gonna say to be reckoned with but I'm like who's gonna who who can bring a charge against God's elect <laughs> um, so much wisdom so much depth and I'm really excited for that that series on sexual abuse unfortunately it's not spoken about enough so yes please give Ch- at Chioma Alade a follow and yes thank you so much it was an honor to be on thank you so much <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you were able to glean so much from it just as I was. Head on over to my website, ifyalexis.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes from today's episode. If you are watching on YouTube, go ahead, give us a subscribe, a like and comment below. And if you are listening on the various podcasting platforms, do leave a rating and a comment to let us know how you found it. Wishing you all the best on your journey as we do the soul work together.